Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. A very warm welcome to you tonight to Calvary Church, uh, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's, as we gather here on this solemn and holy night once again to celebrate hope. Tonight, looking at our reading from Titus, I want to preach about how specifically three ways Jesus is the hope of our lives. First, Jesus is the hope of our past, fulfilling God's promise in Scripture. Second, Jesus is the hope of our present, by His grace, transforming our lives and relationships. And finally, Jesus is the hope of our future coming again to not only be our judge, but more importantly, our Savior. A lot of people wrongly believe that Jesus was God's plan B. I've heard this a lot. You know, man, things weren't working out in that Old Testament. He was getting really angry with those people. So God came up with plan B, and he gave us a super nice Jesus. You know, a really nice Jesus. Kind of like gave us an example to follow. And uh, that is all nonsense. As Christians, we actually believe that the child we celebrate in Bethlehem's manger wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a super nice plan B in any way. Rather, Jesus has always been plan A. From before the foundations of the world, from the first sin in the Garden of Eden, the entire biblical history of Israel and the prophets point to Jesus. The Old Testament in the Bible is not about you at all. It's about Jesus and what he has done for you. Actually, when you begin to read the Old Testament as Christians, we actually believe that Jesus fulfills the scripture and he gives validity to the Old Testament. And this is my first point tonight. Jesus fulfills scripture. As St. Paul writes to Titus in our reading tonight, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. What this means is, everything the nation of Israel was looking for has now appeared in real time and in real history. This isn't mythology. This isn't a metaphor for anything. We actually believe this happened. And this breaking in as a baby, God breaking in as a baby, fully realized as God's grace, giving the world, you and I, in the midst of darkness and in this present age, hope. So Jesus provides hope for our past because he has fulfilled the scriptures. It's interesting. Instinctively, we place our hope in things that our eyes find appealing. And we've grown accustomed to loving. That's what we tend to place our hope in. We tend to love the slick. We love the glittery. We love powerful things, strong things, really smart things. This time of year, we love the commercial stuff. I mean, we try and deny it, and let's all just have family. But we love getting new technology. I mean, this creche down here, I love it. It's really old and it's beautiful. It's a piece of art, but it triggers all sorts of warm kind of feelings in me. However, here's the thing. When we confuse the things we naturally and instinctively love with hope, 
when we begin to wrap those two together, what we get is sentimentality. And there's a lot of sentimentality in this season, and it's great, but it's not faith. It's not faith. And sentimentality subtly creates a certain self-focus in your life. You don't even know it's happening. Where we begin to idolize ourselves and our highest achievements and our goals. And we begin to deceive ourselves and begin to think that we're on this like mobile climb getting better. And if 2017 has reminded us of anything, it's the fact that humanity is not getting better at all. Sentimentality, though, always places the focus on the self first. However, biblical hope opposes what you instinctively want to love. Think about the manger scene for a second, beyond the sentimentality of the creche here. The Son of God comes not to the Ritz-Carlton in Rome, the capital of the world, but in the armpit of an occupied nation, in a small little town, in a third world stable. Have you ever been to a third world farm and smelt it? I mean, the smell will knock you back. And there, the Son of God is laid in a feeding trough by his mother and her fiancé. And the first guests are shepherds. Get the cute little boys out of your head and picture the dingiest manual laborers you've ever seen. This is who shows up. In short, this scene is offensive and it's intended to scandalize you. The life of Jesus actually doesn't look very promising at all to people who are trying to move up and climb an earthly ladder of sentimentality and achievement. However, Jesus and his entire life has the power to burst right through our sentimentality and touch our deepest realities as humans. Our deepest reality as humans, which is brokenness, Failures, hurts, addiction. These things that become acutely present this time of year. That is where Christ is often found. The story of Jesus from Bethlehem to Calvary tells us that this, tells us that that is, that is there where God is to be found where we stop actually trying to be gods and are actually humans, then we can begin to notice that we're loved by God first. Not as we hope to be, but our true selves. And when you're loved as you are, as opposed to the highest ideal of yourself, that creates actually real hope in the present. You might actually cry out like St. Etta James, at last... My love has come around. When I wasn't searching for him, he found me. This is the powerful truth of the gospel. And when you are loved, not because of yourself and your ideals, but the gospel tells us despite ourself and our ideals, you're given real hope in your present. And this hope in our present, as St. Paul says, continues in Titus. He says, this hope in our presence trains us to renounce impiety and worldly passions. And in the present age, to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly. 
while we wait for his second coming. In a sense, what St. Paul is saying is that you have hope in your present. And that leads to real transformation. That actually occurs which has a profound impact on your life and the relationships around you. This is my second point. Sentimentality doesn't transform anything or anyone. But Jesus, who is God's grace, does so with the hope in our present reality that is outside of ourselves. And that's called the gospel. And that's the only thing we stand on. And that gospel transforms us from people who are self-serving to, in humility, people who are self-sacrificing. People who have been transformed by the message of the angels, which is not discover your destiny, but peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. Finally, Jesus gives us real hope for the future. Tonight is one of those rare occurrences where Christmas Eve occurs on the fourth Sunday of Advent the season when we look forward to Christ's second coming as Lord and Judge. It coincides here tonight with Christmas Eve. The next time I think that happens is 2022. But the truth is is that most people today like to separate baby Jesus from Jesus as Lord and Judge. We're more comfortable with our sentimentality than with St. John the Divine's vision in the book of Revelation of Jesus with his robe dripping in blood. As a matter of fact, Pew Research did a survey in 2010 that found that 53% of American Christians either didn't believe in the second coming of Jesus or had serious doubts about it. I'm sure uh, that it is even higher now. However, Jesus' babe and Jesus' judge cannot be separated. Strip away the second coming when Christ will save us from the wrath of God, from the first coming of the babe in the manger, and you really have only half a salvation, which is no salvation at all. The fact is, this first coming 2,000 years ago, which we celebrate tonight, assures us of his eventual coming, no matter how long it takes. However, St. Paul reminds Titus When Jesus comes at the end of the age, he says the manifestation of his glory will be as our great God and Savior. This is a very different picture of a judge for Christians. St. Paul tells Titus why, and it's the gospel. He it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Who does the purification here? Who does the cleansing here? It's God himself. And as Christians, Jesus gives us hope for the future. Because despite what the rest of the world says about you, and I've heard, no, I'm just kidding, but uh, despite what you feel, despite your darkest hour, in Jesus Judgment is done because Jesus gave himself for you and for your salvation. Your past is forgiven that you might freely live in the present as you move forward in hope to a redeemed and reconciled future. And this is my third point. 
Jesus does our humanity. It began before the foundations of the earth, but it begins in history here. And he does our humanity to death. And in dying, he rescues our humanity from death, giving us the promise of eternal life. That's the ultimate promise of Christmas. You can look to your future with hope because Jesus has already done our humanity perfectly without missing a step. The womb, the manger, the home, the workshop, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection. The resurrection from the dead actually proves that he did it perfectly. This is God vindicating Jesus so that we might put our hope in him. Jesus does it all to free you up to live your life now, to free you up for good works. So as we come around this altar and we receive his body and blood, rest in peace, knowing that your past is taken care of, your present is taken care of, and until he returns again, your future is taken care of as well. Merry Christmas, and God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.